Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our over gloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. And welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps, with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. What? That was so good, Irene. I've been practicing new intro styles to like okay. just keep everyone on their toes. Oh, so I can anticipate like a variety of sorts moving yeah, forward? This is going to be the oh. variety show. Um, I like it. That I went on an upward spiral. Uh-huh. Normally I go on a downward, spi- downward spiral, but that was my upward yeah, spiral. Yeah, this is, it's good. I feel like it's like got a lot of energy behind it. Like we should have like, you know, that Jack Jam song, let's get ready to rumble. Like I feel like that should be like underneath it. Yeah. I need like a silk robe with like just tooth yeah, life on the back gloves. of it. That'd be pretty sweet. Actually. I kind of want Some one of those. Some person adding Vaseline to your face. I feel like that needs to be how we do our next <laughs> stage that like the introduction happens and it's like, please mm-hmm. to announce at the dental society meeting, Irene Inaku. Inaku. And then I, and then I go up there with my robe on and then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do the name. And then and you I just, take it off. I take yeah. your robe off and then you spit and your I'm mouth just like, guard. And I'm just yeah. like pumping yeah, myself like, up. Yeah. Like, and you spit oh, your mouth yeah. guard in, or no, I put your mouth guard in. Mm-hmm. And then and during, I, during oh. the break, you take my mouth guard out and you rinse right. it with water and just like yeah. the water just drips on the floor. Right. We get sponsored by like Monster or something. And I've got like a water bottle that says Monster Proform. on it. Proform. Like, Wouldn't Proform want to sponsor that? I feel like I that could imagine. be a dental thing. Who is Proform? Do we know anybody? Hey, what's up, Proform? What up? I don't know. If you, if you have an speaking game, we're going we're gonna to merge dentistry and boxing <laughs> we're into one. Happen. We're going to um, do it. How are you? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah. So where in the world is Katrina? I'm, in, I'm here in northern Wisconsin. We're back I'm in, home. I'm back home in Stevens Point. Um, and it is a, actually a really beautiful day out today. Um, it was kind of chilly when I arrived with family. My family's actually all here. Do you guys want to say hi really fast? Just say hi. Hello. Hi. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but that's my family. Um, so we're all hanging out here at mom and dad's house. Um, it, yeah, the weather's really nice. Um, and we're just, we're just here. I saw you painting. You're painting. What are you? Mm-hmm. You're painting and yeah. We're, well, we're prepping, prepping mom and dad's house? house for sale. Yeah. So oh, um, mm-hmm. so it's it's been a. Um, I'm just gonna you know be like completely honest with our listeners. It has anybody who's gone through this, you know exactly what I'm going through. What my um, brother and sisters are going through of like going through memory boxes and like deciding like, do I want to keep this like finger painting art project that mom saved from second grade? And like, you obviously know, like, what am I going to do with this? Like nothing, but then you don't want to just like put it in the garbage. Like it's meaningless, but at this, you know, so you just, you go through this like weird dichotomy of emotion. So it's been a very emotionally charged weekend. And I will say, um, and I, I know that not many people can say this, but I will say that my family is absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, the, it weren't, nobody's like, oh, I want this money or, you know what I mean? Like, I want this yeah, diamond. Yeah. It's like, we're very much like tethered to the sentimental things, which is really wonderful. So hmm. at any rate, it's, it's not, not my like ideal way to spend my weekend, but, um, you know, we have to, that's a bandaid. We all have to rip off at some point. So I'm here with my family. And, um, so we're painting, uh, just getting the house ready, um, for sale. So it's, yeah. it's so, and like, ugh, it hurts my heart that you have to go through this and like again and again. And it's like mm-hmm. in a roller coaster ride. Um, it's okay. How do I say this? 
I feel like our ponytails are connected or something mm-hmm. because like we haven't spoken. I didn't even know that you mm-hmm. were going home and I didn't know that you were doing this, which I I get like certain things. You just kind of want to keep to yourself for a, a little while to process, process, process. process. Yeah. Look at um, you talking all American. We now. were like we were like painting at the same time. Yeah. And then oddly enough. So we went over to my mother-in-law's um, for dinner yesterday and like the weird conversation started with like furniture and mm. it was and I didn't know that you were like going through furniture and going through like household items mm-hmm. and like what are we keeping what are we not keeping and like she's young but she said something to Chris that kind of like threw everyone was like well what furniture do you want when I go and we're like wait yeah. hold on what but you don't think about those things until no. you're kind of forced to think about it um and I oddly don't have any anything like that to have to worry about because like my my family doesn't really have heirlooms like we came mm-hmm. to Canada with literally nothing mm-hmm. so like and there's no one to split anything with and yeah. there's nothing other than properties to split so it's weird how um you know things like that make you realize how lucky you are i mean i feel like mm-hmm. i'm lucky that that's not something that i have to worry about but it, i also feel like i'm at a disadvantage cuz it'd be really cool if someone kept one of my finger paintings yeah. Yeah. I get that. And and I will say it is interesting too, like the things that really matter in the end versus the things that don't, because like, I'll tell you, <clears throat> I just opened up the bag of clothes that the hospital gave us, um, after dad's passing of the clothes that he was in when he was admitted to the hospital oh, and no. like opening that up, you know, and it like still smells like him. Like, oh, you know, no. like it's, it's weird. Like those clothes matter more than like you know, we found like boxes of silver that dad was like saving for it to like create inflation or what, you know what I mean? And you're like, that that, like matters to me more. So, you know, it's not necessarily about like the, the, um, the value of stuff, the value of stuff that we're we're rather the value that you have in those things that are, it's different when you lose that person. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's very interesting. My, My heart goes out to anybody who is currently going through anything like that, uh, has already gone through something like that because you know exactly what I'm talking about with like, just, and, and the other thing too, without getting into too much detail, um, you know, we are opening up, um, folders of documents that, and learning things about our parents that were like, wow, like had no idea that happened. Um, and it, and it's all, it's great. Um, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, learning that they, you know, they're, they're just like we were, you know what I mean? They were, yeah. they were kids, they made choice, you know, whatever. But um, it's, you know, then you start to have these things. Like, I wish I could talk to my mom about this, or I wish I could yeah. talk to my dad about this. And so, um, you know, my, if anybody is going through anything like this or whatever, my advice is, you know, families, everything, you know, we're very fortunate. Um, mom's brother, Uncle Russ is still alive. And so like, we're calling him and we're like, Hey, like, do you know about this? Or like, why did we see a photo of that? Or like, what is this? And he's just been amazing. About, wow, you must you know, be learning so much about your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, it's beautiful, but then it's like, I have so many questions that right. you know, won't get answered from them, you know, but, right. um, but yeah, it's, it's so it, that's what I mean. It's like, it's just very emotionally charged and you know, you, you walk through these steps of grief and you think that you're out the other side and then you're like, okay, turns out I still have more to process. And, um, you know, you have to honor that, um, appropriately. So, um, my heart goes out to anybody who's experiencing that. And please, if, um, if anybody, if you just need somebody to talk to, or somebody just listen, like slide in my DMS, um, because you're not alone. Uh, none of us are alone in this. 
But I do want to ask Irene, my, my, um, ponytail connected avatar person. What, what is the, like, everyone thinks that you're like moving I or am. something. Okay. So you're moving. So you're like getting your condo, like cute to sell. No, and then you're moving. that's my new condo. That's your new condo. Yeah, okay. So we're moving in the same building. <laughs> so it looks like your same condo. It is the that's same why I was, like, condo, confused. except it's oh. like a, a lot bigger. So, oh. uh, it is on a higher floor with a better view and it's bigger. So we are moving and, uh, it was vacant. So we asked mm. the, the, the humans before us, if we could just, you know, grab the keys and move in quicker and faster and then do some like little home improvements. Yeah. So yeah, so that, so we are moving, we're moving, we're moving up in the world, literally in, in our, literally in our building, literally up. Yeah. That's cool. And it was kind of a spur of the moment decision. Like this unit came available in our building and it has, you know, it's a South facing view, which for those that live in Toronto know that it faces the CN tower. Um, and, uh, which is a kind of cool view. And, um, yeah. And, you know, we, we moved, we sold our house back in COVID pre like pre COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, we listed it in like January of last year. And then Mm -hmm. we moved here in March. Mm -hmm. Um, with the like idea that Chris would be closer to work and he could walk to work instead of having mm. to take transit to work. Cause it's kind of a pain in the butt to drive in the city and it's super expensive to park. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to get a second car. So we moved here, but then Chris was remote immediately upon mm-hmm. moving in. We moved in during the week of lockdown, which was, oh a, which was like a, a kind of nice for traffic, but very strange. I um, mean, you were like going to open your practice. That I same know, week. Like, what I were know. you thinking you crazy Mo- person? I don't know. So, so that happened and then he's never gone back to work and now he's probably mm. going to be working from home for even a longer period of time. And I think, I think everyone that has a spouse that works from home, I mean, most of us dental people, we don't, we don't know what that feels like right. other than that, like <clears throat> a couple of months where things were shut down, but we don't know what it feels like to be working from home and uh, having to be at home with like either I mean, a child or a pet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and from someone that has never worked from home before, like Chris has always been in, in an office building. He would wear a suit to work and mm-hmm. he'd pack up his lunch bag and he would go to the office yeah. and he would have a lunch break where he'd go to the gym or go for a walk and then he'd go back to the office. And then for someone to be from that, like high, not high powered, but like high energy type of environment, sure. Uh, to like now you're home working from your desk in your living room. Yeah. Um, there's like a huge separation and I find it interesting. Like I go to work and yeah, my office is my office. It's my baby. So I'm there for 12 hours a day, uh, but I leave and he's at his desk and I come home 12 hours later and he's still at his desk. And yeah. for someone that like makes a salary, like there's no real incentive for you to be working that long. Like, are they paying you right. anymore? No. Are they right. doing you any favors? Cause you like sent that extra 15 emails today. No. Right. So it's like, I think a lot of people can probably agree that those that do work from home, they're putting in a lot more hours, perhaps they're even being mm-hmm. more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like this separation challenge between yeah. home life and work life. So we're moving to be able to provide Chris an actual office that I'm going to oh, put nice. a freaking lock on. Yes. So that he's like done with yeah. his day. We close yep. the door. We're going to close yeah. the door. We're going to put a lock <laughs> on the door mm-hmm. and um, you will be a human Lou, again. Get the lock. Lou, get the lock. <laughs> he's sitting right next to me and he's like not even paying attention. He didn't care. He has no zero cares right now in the, in the world he that, that I'm just speaking about him publicly. Aww. Anywho, 
Um, well, well, that's good. We're both mm-hmm. living our, our almost best lives. Yeah. Uh, covered in paint. My life is covered in paint, as is mm-hmm. yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a good coating of paint, I think. So we, I feel like we have an episode of sorts. We do have an episode. We, we have do? an episode. We have an, uh, actually a really good episode today that kind of encompasses some of the things that we just talked about. Um, Dr. Angela Mulroney. Oh, who, um, I love her. I didn't get a chance to meet her in real life at um, the conference that you attended. Jumpstart. Jumpstart, yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched her YouTube uh, video of her performance and it was, I mean, it it was touching over YouTube, which mm-hmm. once removes you. Yeah. But I feel like if I were in the audience for that, I would have been in tears. Yeah. Um, so let's amazing. not um, give away too much of, of her story. So yeah. here is the episode with Dr. Angela Mulrooney and we will catch you on the flip side. On the flippity flip. And welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps, with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. Hello, friend. How are you? Hi, Irene. How are you today? I'm 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 just I'm living my best life, but I'm you sad are. that you didn't call me pickle. You always call me no, pickle. You're my marshmallow today because of your beautiful white smock of sorts. It's it's, it's a it's a jumper. It's, a, it's what they call it. Leisure wear. It's like this. <laughs> I like it. So I put some chains on this morning because yeah, I wanted to make my very leisure flavor of you. I'm a little gangster I love over it. here. Yeah, a little, little Canadian <laughs> Romanian gangster. Um, I'm good. I'm I'm you know just just having my morning coffee and chit chatting yeah. with you and our amazing guest who is waiting for the curtain to be opened and her appearance into our yes. audio medium here. Um, yes. Thank you so much to our amazing guest, Dr. Angela Mulrooney, for being with us here today. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you too? I'm excited to learn all about you. And I, I haven't had the pleasure of hearing you speak in real life. So I want to know everything about you. And um, so, yes, and I read, I want to tell you. So, <laughs> tell I'm me. so I'm there are many reasons why I'm so excited to have her on the episode today. The first is she's Canadian. So I'm like now a little bit of a, I'm a fish out of water. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, I'm going to bring in the American spirit here. Um, so number one, that. And then mm-hmm. also the first time that I heard her speak, um, was actually an interesting experience. And I really want to, um, I want to talk about, it. I want to kind of dive into it if that's okay during this episode, but know that she, uh, she's d- out there. She's an influencer. She's a like major boss, babe, like running this incredible empire with all of these incredible things going on. Um, but really if you have the opportunity to see her speak, and that's how I'm going to phrase it to see her speak, um, she, uh, she puts on an incredible uh, performance. And so I'm really excited to kind of dive into it. And I want to ask you a lot about it um, during this episode, if you're okay um, with sharing about that. So, all right, let's just dive right in because I'm super stoked. Irene, Irene, do the thing. I want to know the Wayback Playbacks. I'm like scrolling through your Instagram and I get to see all of the cool things that you're doing now, but I kind of want to know a little bit about your history. And um, I see some kind of descriptions about it on your website, unleashingdentistry.com. 
and it talks about like your why, like why you got started in doing this stuff. And it had to do with, you know, financial struggles. And so let's go back to even before dentistry, like, where did you grow up? What, what was like a day in the life of, of, of young you like, um, and where, yeah, where in Canada are you from? So my dad was an RCMP, a Mountie is what yeah. most of the Americans call it. So I grew up all over Canada. Um, I was originally born in the Yukon, which is kind of exotic for a Canadian. Cool. Um, and then lived in Ottawa and then lived in Saskatchewan, did my university in Saskatchewan, spent a year dancing professionally after I graduated from dental school in Regina. And then I moved to Calgary after that. And I just recently moved to Nicaragua. So I'm joining wait, wait, you're in You're wait. in Nicaragua right now? Yeah, I am. What? <laughs> That's why my skin is so dewy. I was going to say, you look amazing. <laughs> So, so yes. I, okay. You, that was, that was an amazing, yeah, like, fast forward. <laughs> we're going to dial it back a little bit. So hey. when did you start dancing? I started dancing when I went to university, actually. Um, I was originally oh. a gymnast as a child, uh, which you see a lot in the dance performances. I do lots of acrobatics and whatnot, but yeah. um, I didn't really officially start dancing till I was in university. And it was funny because the university of Saskatchewan, the biggest social club was the university of dance. University of Saskatchewan Ballroom Dancing Club. Mm. So everyone was part of it. I was like, eh, might as well meet some people. So went to class after the first year, they started asking me to teach. And I was like, no, 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 I need to go to <laughs> dental school. Don't distract me. Um, and then when I got into dental school, I was like, please distract me. I need to kind of break from this. So for them for four years and then turn pro when I graduated dental school. That's, that's so awesome. Cool. And that's like, normally when people think of like a, a professional dancer or somebody that's, you know, out there dancing as an adult, you assume like you started in ballet classes when you were three and that whole thing. And, and yours was more kind of that gymnastics route, which is very mm-hmm. cool. Um, okay. So, so w- dentistry, like where did your passion for dentistry come in? Like what, what made you decide on teeth? My parents don't actually know what the inciting incidents was, but suddenly I wanted to have my fingers in everyone's mouth and see what was in there. <laughs> from about like two years old on, and I was like this tiny little kid, and my hair was curly, but it was blonde. So I had this little white afro, um, <laughs> trying to get everyone to let me look in their mouth. And I hadn't been to the dentist. I hadn't seen my brother go to the dentist, but there was something about those little white teeth that I just couldn't keep my fingers off of. And it uh, carried on through high school and everyone was like, you're too smart to be a dentist. You should be in medicine. So I kind of explored that route, thought maybe about doing pathology and disease studies. Mm. And then the University of Saskatchewan had this Discover Us Day, which was you go and you go to you get to pick three different colleges that you want to um, experience what is going on there. And they gave us a little tooth. I actually still have it. No <laughs> and way. Yeah, they let us drill on it and that sealed the deal. Wow. That's amazing. That's very cool. So very, very you, go to, cool. you go to dental school, you get into dental school and did you dance through dental school as well? Yes. Yes, you did. Okay. I taught at the club as well the whole time through school. Very wow. Cool. That must have been, I mean, it, it, w- a lot of us kind of think when you have a, a hobby like that, um, a, kind of a nice departure from dentistry. Like, you know, you're having a rough day, like trying to get your wax ups or you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and then to be able to just go and like dance it out. Did you find that that was just kind of a nice, nice break from, from all the pressures of dental school? Yes. I was dancing 10 to 20 hours a week while I was in dental school. Cause Whoa. it was just, I, I got into it and I just loved the art of it and having to learn the technique and the, like really the perfectionism of it. So that was a good escape and just stimulating a different part of my brain than the stress of studying. 
Yeah, wow. absolutely. What Pretty kind cool. of dance do you do you do now? Well, then, let's, let's I look guess what, then was yeah, ballroom. Let's, let's walk through. Yeah, so you started in ballroom, but mm-hmm. and you've done a lot of acrobatic stuff. But like, what yeah. what 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 uh, arenas of dance are you are you focused in? So I've competed on. I've competed in bone dancing. So I've done the Latin side of it. So rumba, cha cha. Um, samba, there's five dances with Mambo, that. Mambo, bolero. Yes, exactly. Waltz, um, quick step, fox tango, foxtrot. <laughs> Whiskey tango, uh, foxtrot. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> the, the smooth dances, which is the last ones that you guys named, that wasn't my thing. I liked the Latin because it was like fierce and feisty. So mm-hmm. that was way more fun to me than being like prim and proper. It was just not yeah. my thing. Yeah. Um, and then I started when I moved to Calgary, I got picked up by a professional contemporary dancer and half the company was ex-Alberta ballet professionals mm, and I had oh no gosh. ballet background. So I had to learn to emulate what they looked like um, to be able to fit in with the choreography. But she brought me in because of my Latin background and she liked how mm. my body moved in so many different dimensions. Um, so I did that. And contemporary really is, is my deepest love when it comes to dance. But I've competed, um, I was ranked second in Canada as a professional for salsa soloist as well. So I've dabbled in lots of different types of dance because you, you get good at one and then someone's like, oh, try this. And you're like, oh, that's fun. And yeah. so you go over there and start learning that as well. But yeah, contemporary is definitely yeah. where my heart is at. Very yeah. cool. She's amazing. Truly. I'm like, what? How is that? How is that? How can you be good at so many different things that are so kind of different from one another different, too? Like you imagine right? like dentistry, the the general ideas like sciencey and super nerdy and then dance is like so free-spirited um but i guess you're just lucky to have the best of both worlds i mean brains talent beauty because you're stunning she looks looks i know she is like like gray here and she's got this like beautiful (laughs) glow on her i I know yes (laughs) she looks amazing so so i I think this is a really great segue because i want to i want to kind of move into how the the first time I saw you present and this was, uh, was it last year at last jump? Year. Okay. At jumpstart. Um, and I must say it was the most moving thing, um, I've ever seen a, at a dental conference B. I mean, it was just so well done. So can you walk our listeners through what that was like what what it what it was how can, let's start with the planning phase like what does it mean like well, hold on because I wasn't there so yeah, I'm so I don't know so what I, you're I talking about Trina. I have everybody on the edge of their seats that's that's yeah. the point <laughs> so she's gonna tell us what 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 it all was because it was amazing oh, okay all right I'm in let's go all right get, buckle up Irene <laughs> buckle up. I got my beverage so you want me to tell the story or you want me to tell the crafting of it tell us the story and then tell us the crafting of it Okay. So the story goes like this, you know, I wanted to be a dentist since I was two years old and that carried through. I finished dental school and wanted to unleash my talent on the world. And the biggest problem I had was that I am extremely shy. So for me to try to connect with people was difficult, but with little kids, I could just tell them stories. I could tell them about the different colored sugar bugs I was removing from their teeth, how they were doing cartwheels and backflips up into the suction. But when it came to adults, I would start sweating and turn red and start stumbling over my words and get in my head about how stupid everything I was saying must sound. So I stayed in my comfort zone for the first four and a half years of my career. I worked with little kids because it was easy. But then 
like any great overachiever, I realized I had plateaued and it was time to level up. But in order to do that, I was going to have to step out of my kid-centered comfort zone and actually work with adults, mm -hmm. which just made my skin crawl. But I knew if I was going to move myself forward, I had to do something different. And that was the big difference. And the funny thing is, I don't know about you, but when I make a decision that something has to change, oftentimes the perfect opportunity presents itself. And it did. I ran into my old boss who happened to be working at this practice with a 78-year-old dentist who was in the hospital, unfortunately, dying from cancer. No. And my old boss really didn't like doing dentistry. So he's like, and do you want to take a couple of days off my hands? And I said, sure, why not? I drove up to the practice and sat in the parking lot and I was terrified because I was in an area of town I'd never been before on purpose because it was the roughest part of town. Sitting there in the dark, I'm thinking, if someone comes along, I could just completely disappear and no one would know that I had been here. Wow. Hmm. So when my old boss drove up beside me, breathed a massive sigh of relief, and we went up to the practice. And when he opened the door to the practice, what greeted my eyes was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. The carpet that at one point had been beige was blackened from years oh. of dirt and cigarette smoke. Oh, gosh. It had never wow. been cleaned. No. Oh. None Ugh. of the cupboards. <laughs> yeah, it's so gross. Yikes. <laughs> The cupboards didn't close properly because they had been no. sloped with age oh. about four inches down in the middle. So everything was open and a disaster inside. <sighs> and when I laid the first patient back, they actually grabbed the tubing to the drill to support it because they knew it didn't work properly if they didn't. Wow. What? The whole, the whole thing was in complete disarray. It was the grossest clinic I had ever walked into. But every day that I walked in there, I felt full of hope and sunshine because I could see potential in everything that was around me. And I'd never felt that way before in any other practice. I loved dentistry, but I hadn't seen the potential to ever be an owner. And so I went and visited the old dentist in the hospital and asked him if I could buy his practice. And he said, sure. So I bought it and I hunkered down in that first year, I worked harder than I ever had in my life. And by the end of the first year, I looked really good on paper. Mm -hmm. I had increased production by 73% by sheer mm -hmm. willpower alone. Mm -hmm. But a couple of weeks after the first year anniversary, I got two registered letters in the mail. I'd never received a registered letter before. Hmm. So I was actually pretty excited about it. So I happily took my letters into my office, opened the first one. And as I started to read it, the room started to spin. No. I lay down on the floor, opened the second one. And the news was just as bad. Two of the employees that I'd inherited with the practice who had worked for me for nine and 10 months, respectively, were suing me. What? $150,000 between the two of them. What? Why? For wrongful dismissal. Oh. And suddenly my rose-colored glasses shattered. No. Shortly after that, we started to have patients canceling left, right, and center. And when we asked them what was going on, they told us they didn't have money, they didn't have insurance, they didn't have anything, they didn't have the resources to pay for anything but the necessities of life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because while I'd been so busy chasing my entrepreneurial dream, I hadn't realized the economy had soured around me. Mm -hmm. And we were in the full mm -hmm. throes of the global financial crisis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I suddenly realized I stood on the edge of losing it all. Oh, no. And I didn't want to tell anyone. I was so proud. So I carried the weight 
of the lawsuit on my shoulders. I carried the weight of the economy and all the fear and stress and anxiety. I pushed down and carried on, put one foot in front of the other. And the only thing that was really motivating me to put one foot in front of the other was knowing that on the eve of my 30th birthday, I would know my fate. I would know whether these ladies who were suing me had accepted or countered my settlement offer. Wait, you, you, you settled? You tried to settle? Wow. That was the advice I had from the lawyer. So oh. yes. So comes the eve of my 30th birthday. 4 p.m. comes. <sighs> I haven't heard from the lawyer. 6 p.m. Still crickets. By 8 p.m. I finally got a hold of her and she told me they hadn't bothered to respond. What? I hadn't even known that that was an option. Oh, wow. By 10 p.m., I've all the stress, all the anxiety, all the pain I was feeling had boiled up out of me and I was spiraling out of control. And if you had peered through my kitchen window, you would have seen me with my hands over my head and tears streaming down my face. And all I could see was darkness. Eventually, I got up, wiped the tears from my face, went down into my basement. And as the cool air hit my face, I felt relief because I knew my pain was soon going to be over. I went over and crawled up onto the stool that I'd placed reached up and grabbed the rope that I'd hung. And as my hands clasped that rough rope, my cell phone rang. And I didn't really want anyone to know I was up to that night. So in order to keep perfect appearances, I answered the phone. And it was a patient that I'd seen a couple of days before, a patient from the old group of patients I'd inherited, who had convinced me to place another five-surface pinned IRM. And tonight she had eaten some jujubes and had sat the IRM right out of her tooth. Now she needed me. She needed me. And suddenly my world cracked open and I felt like I could see the matrix. I could see how everything had transpired those last year and a bit to end up with me standing here on this stool, clasping this rope. And that phone call was enough to wake me back up to my life. It was enough to get me to let go of the rope. It was enough to get me to step back down onto the cold basin floor and slowly walk back into my life. And the next year, I worked hard again to turn everything around. I decided this was not going to defeat me. That was not why I had bought the practice to end up ending my own life. So I went and finished the COIS program. I did my IV station. I did my sleep apnea certification. And by the end of the next year, I was a woman on fire. And I was helping so many patients. I had my dream team. I had my dream practice. And life was good again. Then shortly after that, a couple of years later, just as life was oh so perfect... I started to have pain in my drilling hand, the kind of pain that makes you stop and vomit. And it radiated up my arm, into my neck, into my head, into my face. But as a professional dancer, I had been trained to push through the pain. You have an injury, you keep training, you keep going, and eventually it'll get better. And it came to a day when I had a phobic patient in my chair who had been waiting months to see me. And I was in more pain than I'd ever been in my life. And I decided to take a couple of ibuprofen and be the athletic Angela and push through. It was a long procedure. By the end of it, I had her flapped open. It was time to suture her back up. And when I went to reach with my right hand to pick up my hemostat, I turned over my hand and my hemostat wasn't there. So I reached again and asked my hand to pick up the hemostat and it wouldn't respond. So I motioned for my assistant and said, hey, can you come outside for a second? Got to chat about something. So we step outside and I tell her, well, you know the problem I've been having with my hand the last three months? Well, it's not working at all right now. So here's what we're going to do. 
you're going to be my right hand and I'm going to use my left hand and we're going to get her put back together. Cool. Her eyes were like saucers, but she <laughs> nodded and we went back in as a team. Reached for my hemostat with my right hand or with my left hand, clipped my first needle, threw my first stitch and it worked. Then I threw my other six stitches and they worked and we got her put back together. And of course, at the end, we let her know everything had gone perfectly according to plan. But as the door closed behind her, I felt my body flood with adrenaline because I knew something had shifted. I went to the doctor, told him what had happened. And he said, I'm so sorry, Dr. Mulroney, but you cannot touch another patient until we get this figured out. The next three months, I went from having this perfect life to living in this fishbowl of chaos where I had patients coming at me asking me what I was going to do. I had team members asking me if I was going to have to sell the practice. I had doctors accusing me of being a fraud. I had insurance accusing me of being a fraud. I had all these questions coming at me and I didn't have any answers for anyone. I didn't even know what was wrong with me. And I went to some pretty dark places during that time, as you can imagine. And over the next six months, I lost everything. I sold my house. I sold my vehicles. I sold everything down to my knives and forks and plates to be able to feed myself. And I lived on flour mixed with water for many months. And finally, a patient called me and said, you know, he's like, I know, I know you're in trouble. He's like, I don't know if you know how much trouble you're in, but he was a very astute business person. He said, you need to go and get a diagnosis. Otherwise, you're going to lose everything. In my head, I'm thinking, well, <laughs> kind of already am. Yeah. But he encouraged me to fly down to the Mayo Clinic to get it to try and get a diagnosis. And I'd lost everything anyway. So I figured, you know what? If I have to declare bankruptcy at this point and throw one more bill on the fire, that's what we have to do. So I flew down. Within three days, they told me that I had focal dystonia. I didn't even know what that was. Hmm. But the doctor, after telling me what was wrong, she put her hand on my shoulder and said, I'm so sorry, Dr. Mulroney, but you need to figure out what you're going to be when you grow up because you're no longer going to be a dentist. And I'll be honest with you, by that point, there really wasn't much emotion left in me. By that point, I had had everyone trying to give me hope and say, you know what, things are going to get better. You're for sure going to get better. And this little voice inside my head was going, I don't think that's right. And so it was actually a bit of a relief because it allowed me to make some decisions based on facts. I kept the practice for the next year, tried to have associates come in. My, my practice was catering to phobics. And we had referrals from all over the province for the care that I provided. And so people felt like they had really big boots to fill by trying to step into my shoes. And it was completely their mindset. I had learned everything that I was doing. It wasn't inherent nature to me. And I felt that they could learn it as well, but they did not. So we struggled for the next year and a bit. And then suddenly the economy started to shift again. The oil crisis of 2015 was starting to hit. And I could see things sliding down so much faster than with the global financial crisis. And I decided it was time to let go of my dream, pass it on to someone else and move on with my life. So I turned to start doing business coaching, but I wanted to take a year away from all the stress of dentistry because anyone I talked to from the dental industry pitied me and I didn't deal very well with that. So I took a year off, built Unleashed Dance Company, my professional dance company, And then by the end of that year, I was like, okay, no, I feel like I'm ready to step back into the arena. And I couldn't use my hand, obviously. So business coaching made complete sense. It was interesting though, because I had all these amazing connections by the referrals that I was given. 
as a dentist, but stepping into the arena as a business coach, I was at ground zero. Nobody wanted to talk to me. And so to try and build up my network, I decided to take to social media because I figured I can reach more people that way. And LinkedIn was the medium that I figured was going to work best for me. So started to build a following on LinkedIn. By the end of the first year of using my social media, I had 12,000 dental industry followers and started to grow my business, produce six figures worth of sales that year. And from there, we just continued to grow. And it was interesting when the pandemic hit, the people that wouldn't have given me the time of day when I first stepped into the arena as a business coach, the heads of the big companies were calling me and saying, Hey, what do you think we can do to help our clients? What can you bring to the table to help make this easier? So it's interesting the power of what social media can actually do for you to build your credibility because I would have been able to build my business coaching company, Unleashing Dentistry. I would have been able to build my social media company, Unleashing Influence, without social media. So to me, it is honestly the best thing that ever happened to me as a marketing tool. Whoa. I have so many questions. Oh. And I, I <laughs> normally, I mean, I don't know if you've listened to, to any of our, I'm in like shock and trying not to cry. Um, <laughs> because not crying because of how terrible your luck has been and how I pity you because I don't, I'm about to cry because I respect so much that you are willing to share this people don't talk about mental illness and they don't talk about uh, depression and they don't talk about those dark moments where we might want to take our own lives. Like no one talks about that. So damn it, Dr. Mulrooney, like I respect the shh out of you right now. Like this is, I'm don't even know what to say other than how are you now? Are you, how, how is your heart and how are you? Cause I'm sure there are times where you still think about like, but a woulda, shoulda. Yeah. But how are you now? Good. I honestly, like, it's funny, losing my career was brutal because I wanted to be a dentist since I was two and it happened yeah. when I was 32. So that was a big dream to have to release and try and find a new way to be inspired and passionate in the world. And so many people tell me, you know, I think it, it happened, it was meant to happen so that you could do these other things. And there's days where I'm like, I hate, I hate when they say that because I, I would still kill to be able to pick up a drill and do surgery. Um, but the life that I'm living now, I get to work with so many fantastic, super talented people in the dental industry and with a social media company. We work with entrepreneurs in all different sectors all over the world. So it's pretty phenomenal the, the interactions I get to have now. And I get to influence how they change other people's lives. So there's actually more that I can be doing that more that I am doing in the world than when, what I would be doing if I was just working in my practice. So I try to look at that as a silver lining. Some days it's a little bit harder to swallow <laughs> yeah. than other days, yeah. but I do, I can see the perspective of why people say that. So what, what does that mean? I mean, I know Katrina, you have a coach. What does mm -hmm. it mean to have a coach? I've never had a coach before other than like my tennis coach and soccer coach and football coach that ran plays with me. Is it the same thing? Is it like, yeah. so when you're, when your opponent hits a slice serve, like you come in with an inside out forehand, like, is that, is that what we're talking about? How does that so, work in the yeah, so it's professional like world? Outside, it's having an outside observer of how you're playing in your realm. So if you want to relate it to sports, it is the similar kind of thing. So when you're being coached in sports, people are working on your technique. They're helping you to see things that you weren't seeing for yourself. And the same thing happens with coaching, 
right? We're teaching you, Kate, you, you don't know what you don't know until someone tells you and opens your eyes to something new. So with right. the dental business coaching company, we're giving them the foundation in business. We're going, okay, like I get approached by lots of new innovators and um, products and technologies that people are like, oh, I'd like to bring this to market. So I tend to always have an inside edge in what is coming in the dental industry as well. And I can be handing off those connections to my clients as well in the dental industry who are, who are practicing hmm. so that they know like they're always moving themselves forward closer to the cutting edge. Not what amazing. That, yeah. Like what does that mean for people like us, like Katrina and I, who, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what, I don't even know what a coach, how would a coach, how would I work with a coach? Like, well, what does that mean? What's like a first step? Uh, typically it's just having a conversation and what I want to see is like, what are you struggling with? Cause there's usually some common themes between most clients, but there's, there has to be a customized approach. And what I found when I had my practice, I had worked with a few different coaches. I was being handed the exact same thing as every other client. Um, and for a very expensive price point, like 5,000 us per month to speak to the person one time a month. Hmm. So a very expensive hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that it wasn't really customized, and I didn't like how expensive it was because I was when I lost everything. I was like, "How much money I spent on these other things was that worth it?" Right, right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people have had those same thoughts during the pandemic. So when I brought to market unleashing dentistry's potential, I wanted to make it accessible for people um, so that they could get a huge return on investment without having massive sticker shock. So I, yeah, and it really does just start with that conversation, figuring out you know what is working well in your practice, what is not what we could be doing to actually help to level up what you're, what you want out of life. And then also creating that balance because we're dealing with type A personalities, right? Especially mm-hmm. clinic owners mm-hmm. <laughs> and hygienists as well are super type A. Mm-hmm. So there's that perfectionism that people want to make sure that they're doing everything perfectly. Um, and so it can be a little bit hard to move past. So you shared your story, which is amazing. And one of the things that people who weren't in that room, when I saw you speak that day, one of the things that they don't know is that, can you share what happened after you shared your story? I took my jacket off, took my mic off, and then I danced the story. What do you mean you danced the story? (laughs) You did, you choreographed some, the whole experience. Wow. It was like, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. What song was it? Hello, the, the opening line is Hello Darkness. Hello wow. Darkness, my old friend. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so that's a powerful She performs song. this like amazing, like contemporary, like beautifully yeah. acrobatic. I can almost envision it now. Program. And, and then it, it was like, I mean, everybody in the room was just like silent, like just in complete awe. Like, oh. I've never seen anything like this before. And it was anywhere. Is that on any platform? It's on my YouTube. I'll send you the link. Perfect. Yeah. We'll link that in the show notes for everybody to see it. It was just absolutely incredible. And so take us through what that, what that journey was like. Was that the first time that you had delivered a program to dental professionals and, and done a choreographed dance? I mean, how did that planning go for that program? Uh, It was Vanessa Emerson's idea. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> when she first met She's me, so she creative. Wa- yeah, she wanted to know my story and the dance part. She, her daughter really loves dance and Vanessa really loves mm-hmm. dance as well. So she's like, mm-hmm. oh, we have to bring that to the stage. So, um, I worked with Catherine, I tell belt and like the physicality of how I present on stage when I'm telling stories, 
like my body just naturally emulates whatever I'm speaking about. Right. Mm. And that makes me more, more comfortable on stage for some people moving on stage is brutal. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was just natural. So when Kath and I were working on it, we just pulled the bits of the story. Cause there's lots of other dark spaces in that story. And she's like, we can't just all be darkness. So we have to yeah, <laughs> yeah. light a little bit. Um, and then the dance piece, I had actually choreographed it for my professional, um, company members. So it was already something that I had been working on, but we hadn't, I hadn't done it as a solo before. So I just took that piece and put it on stage to, to follow the speech. Cause it was, it was exactly what the speech was talking about. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Damn. Why was I not there for this? I know. Katrina, I you gotta tell me to be I there for these things. I need <laughs> well, a coach. I need a no, coach that can, you do need a that coach. can tell me where to go and what to do and not live in my own little yes. Irene bubble of like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now one thing that you really do and you do very well is a lot of business coaching and you tend to, you've niched really into helping people understand LinkedIn and how to use that. So can you speak a little bit to how you've kind of worked with your clients to help them understand LinkedIn and how to kind of step into their power through using that social media platform? Absolutely. It's interesting with LinkedIn because it is a bit of a scary platform because it's full of smarty pants, right? There's mm -hmm. like Bill Gates is on there and some of the amazing business people that we admire are on there. And then there's all of us who are just mere mortals, right? <laughs> so yeah. for people to actually get comfortable putting themselves out there, it takes a lot. Like I work with some speakers who've been working for, they've been speaking for 30 years on stage. And the minute we put a camera in front of their face, their head goes, oh my God, what I'm saying yeah. is so stupid, right? Yeah. And so they really it it really is an art to be able to get on camera and be able to let your guard down, just be who you are. And yeah. so that's a lot of what I have to work with them is that mindset that, you know, we wouldn't have brought you on as a client if you weren't an expert in your field, if the world didn't know about you. Like mm -hmm. we can't take someone who is unqualified as an expert and turn them into something other than what they actually are. We mm -hmm. work on helping to unleash people's authentic brands. So they need to own who they are. And for a lot of people, even some little things like I have an accent and they don't want people to hear that accent. And it's like, well, that that's part of what, what your mm -hmm. journey has been to where you are today. So why would we not showcase that? Right. Um, LinkedIn, the nice thing about it is you really are getting to those decision makers. So you like on Instagram, if you're going after dental clinics, you're probably get going after a millennial who's in the clinic who is told you have to post something for us. And so if you're going and commenting and liking on their stuff, they're like, I don't care. Right. And so the owner may never really be interacting on that platform. Whereas LinkedIn, you're getting, you're getting the decision maker right then and there, which is why we like LinkedIn so much. Um, we do work with dentists who are working to build their network of referrals on LinkedIn. We work with dentists who are going after professionals. That's their demographic. Um, but that's a very small part of unleashing influence. Most of our, our people are just entrepreneurs in different healthcare spaces and beyond. Like this week, I spoke at the University of Toronto to the engineering department to teach them how to use LinkedIn to get themselves employed. Hmm. So it is a massively useful tool, but it, it is intimidating. And people are a little bit cheap with their likes and their comments on LinkedIn because it's a reputation management site. So if you are new to the platform, especially the first 90 days, you're not going to get that much engagement. And that can really be like a stab to the heart for a lot of people because they're like, but I thought it was great what I put out there and nobody likes it. <laughs> and it's not that at all. It's just, 
you, everyone's reputation is on the line in on that platform. So they're going to be very careful with what they're going to put their name behind. Mm-hmm. But once they've been on it for six, 12 months, that's where you really start to see the return on your investment of time. If you're hiring a company, return on investment of your financial as well. Um, and that's where you start getting the sales. People start recognizing you. They start wanting you to become like a key opinion leader for different companies. So it is a massively mm-hmm. powerful tool. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I, want, I want you to analyze my brand and tell me my gaps. <laughs> tell me. I would love to. Tell me, tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I just need someone <laughs> to tell me what I'm doing wrong. No one tells you what you're doing wrong. Everyone tells you what you're yeah. doing well. They're like, oh, yeah. this is great. I loved your videos. I love this. I love that. But what sometimes what we need is a little bit of that like feedback of like, okay, yeah. so you're strong in this side, but your LinkedIn game is super. I have like five or 600 requests in LinkedIn mm-hmm. and, I, and Facebook. <laughs> so LinkedIn and Facebook are the, the <laughs> platforms that... And so I, Katrina and I will go on a quick call like this and I'll be like, Hey, can we like open up my LinkedIn and like, tell me if I know these people or not? Cause I'm so it's bad like with insane. like insane. She's got all these people. I'm like, Irene, this is like, like it's oh, like that's the people the, that, like, that's the, like, you know, the CEO of this like company. The, yeah, you should you probably accept like that. that person. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> you know how some people take a screenshot of their home screen on their iPhone and it's like, there are like 12,000 emails that they haven't looked at. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like it just like gives you, yeah, that's, that's me. That's Irene with her social media. <laughs> I have about, uh, so I, I know that on it. Instagram requests, uh, they stop showing you the request at 99. So, and it only deletes one page at a time. So I delete and it still says 99 and then I delete and it still says 99 and I'm deleting for like two hours and it still says 99. Um, oh my goodness. It's a lot. Oh, we need to get your dog trained on how to do that. If you can train him to Lou, do, but Lou, opposing thumbs. Buttons. Yes. Can you, yes. Use your opposable. No, but I think, I think Let's it's really it. valuable. And you know, I, I, I think it's a, you know, there's signs all, all the time you hear people talk about the same thing over and over and over again. And it takes a moment for you like, okay, well, I've heard this happen five times, like five of my closest friends and the people that I consider to be the most successful and perhaps my peers, like all talk about getting a coach and working with a coach. And then there's Mm -hmm. me who doesn't have a coach and it's like, all right, well, maybe I do need one. Maybe I need somebody that can put these pieces of my life puzzle together. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when I'm, when I have moments where I've kind of graduated from a coach and I need to move on to someone else who's going to look at my life differently. Those gaps in between, I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't need a coach. And then I hire a coach and then I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I yeah. do need a coach. Right. It makes yeah. a massive difference having someone observe your life and observe the problems because sometimes we get so in our own way and we are so focused on that problem. We can't even see the solution that is mm-hmm. right in front of us. Yeah. Right. So it does make a massive difference on all levels. I find. Hmm. Yeah. What I love about what you're doing and you had kind of mentioned it, this is like kind of 360 from the the beginning of this episode where you said, you know, I really didn't want to work with adults because I felt awkward or I felt silly or I felt uncomfortable in front of them. And now you're coaching people who feel awkward or silly speaking in front of other adults. And it's like, that's the thing is like, what a, what a beautiful way to take, you know, these, these challenges that you've been met with. And, you know, to Irene's point, like that, that is immense 
resilience for you to acknowledge, like I spent this time studying this craft that I love so much. And I, I loved being a clinician. And I mean, and you like went for it with sedation and with your sleep apnea evaluation, all the things that you oh were doing, gosh, like that investment coice, like huge. Yeah. Coice. I mean, yeah, seriously. So, I mean, you are a talented clinician and to take that and to pivot into something where it's like, you're coaching people to step into their power the way you had to step into your power, the way dentistry brought you into your power. Dentistry has also escorted you into helping other people do that, which is such a beautiful yeah. way to, to honor that and to honor your colleagues and to, to let all of us, you know, feel that, that sense of, um, excitement to be able to represent ourselves professionally. So, uh, my hats off to you for all of the things that you're doing. So now you've got this incredible empire. You've got like an amazing team behind you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're just doing all these incredible things. So I think the, the, the final question I have is what's next for you. That's a good question. My team has said, I'm not allowed to think about what's next. I need to work on what's here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but your coach is like, think about what's next, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we're just trying to hone in. We've got an amazing central team. Like we've had a few pieces moving in and out over the last year, which is when you, ex- when you have ex- exponential growth, it is crazy. Like we went from two and a half full times when COVID started, we're now at 16 full times. So it's, wow. um, it's grown really, really fast in a 12 month period. So for some people wow. that was uncomfortable. Um, but now we have our core of people that we can really move things forward with. So it's just a lot more investing in their education, investing in their training with me as well, um, and moving this freight train at an even faster pace. And we're moving into international markets now. So we're moving into Australia, the UK, South Africa, um, so that wow. we can expand how many people we can help to you know, move past what's going on with the pandemic, get themselves out there when they can't actually be going and seeing people in person. And mm-hmm. it's quite incredible the, the, the change we create in their business through social media. That's amazing. Very cool. Thank you. I love love social media, but only in my (laughs) body. Irene loves, she she loves Instagram. Social media. Instagram loves Irene. That I don't interact with all the ones she doesn't, (laughs) but she's an Instagram wizard. I tell you, she is amazing on Insta. Oh my goodness. You are Irene. Has a blind spot on the connections list. That's all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. She just doesn't look at that. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It's re- I don't. I don't. I think maybe this is just a conversation that I need to have with other people that are in the same kind of thing. But it's like it's super overwhelming. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, anytime you post a photo or video, um, you know, you get some engagement and you get comments and likes and uh, views and new followers. Um, so it's you know when you have zero to 5,000, even 10,000 followers, it's a little easier to manage that stuff because, you know, you pop in, you say, thank you, you reply, but then for every, it's a ratio, right? So you want your engagement to be high. Most people's engagement is between four to 7% on the high rate. Mm -hmm. So if you get 7% of 35,000 people that view a video or 7%, we were looking at my, my reach earlier today and like, all time reach in two years was like 1.4 million. So it's, it's crazy when, when you, you know, it it becomes challenging. So it's not that I don't love social media and love. It's just time. Um, It's the most valuable thing that any of us can't control. Um, So I think working with coaches is helpful to figure out a way to manage your time the best way so that you're not missing opportunities. Like 
you know, someone that slides into your DMs and somehow gets filtered through the hundreds of other people, but it could mm-hmm. potentially be a company that wants to work with you. Right. So, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be sending you an email. <laughs> <laughs> Help Irene. This is like the <laughs> ongoing theme is like help Irene make sure she doesn't shave her head. <sighs> yeah. It's yeah. a struggle. It's a constant struggle. That's it's a constant sure. struggle. It's good yeah. though. But anywho, um we well, let's not focus on my shortcomings shortcomings <laughs> as a human. Um let's uh let's uh this is helpful. This is great. It's time, right? Katrina, is it that time? It's time, yeah. It's time. Uh Dr. Mulroney, do you know what time it is? It is 11.53 in Nicaragua. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. <laughs> You're right. It is 11.53 in Nicaragua. that's not the right answer. Nope. Uh, but here on this podcast, it is it is the time for the, the tooth or dare segment. So we are called okay. the tooth or dare podcast for a reason, not because we're just witty, creative individuals, but because we end the show with a, a rock, paper, scissors, and the loser goes up against you. You decide whether you choose to accept uh, a tooth or a dare or dish out a tooth or a dare and tooths are done now. Um, and the dares are done virtually and visually through our social media platforms and channels. So Katrina and I will, will set ourselves up um, to do a little, little rock, paper, scissors. You ready for the little rock, paper, scissors action girl? I'm ready. Irene. Okay. Hold on Let's a second. <laughs> hold on a second here. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to, are you going to count us in Dr. Mulroney? You can do a rock, paper, scissors shoot for us. Here we go. Perfect. Okay. But in the meantime, the rest of you need to follow us on Instagram. You can follow me, Irene at toothlife.irene. You can follow Katrina at the dental wine genus, and you can follow Dr. Mulroney on her various platforms. One being uh, unleashing dentistry, unleashing influence, and also on her website, which is unleashingdentistry.com. And we'll link all of that in the show notes below, uh, including her YouTube video, because I need to watch yes. that. Okay, here we go. You got to check Ready. it out. Yeah. Do it. One, two, three. I lost. I mean, this I is, lost. you've been winning. So now I'm taking the streak best. You're wrong. No, but what I mean is you've been winning. Oh, okay. So now I'm into, now right. it's, so I now lost. We're good. Now it's me. It's it's you and I, Dr. Mulrooney. Are you uh, going to accept or dish? I will accept. Accept. Would you like to accept a tooth or a dare? A dare. Ooh. <gasps> yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> we always wow. get so excited. Yay. Oh. That's the best answer. <laughs> oh, well, she she knows all about the, the various platforms. Okay. I uh, challenge you. I dare you to. Oh, are you good with reels? Down. Can you do reels? Sure, I can do reels. You can do a reel? Okay. I um, I challenge you to do a, a dance reel. So you've got 30 seconds in a reel to, with your body, spell out the word, the word love. Love. Okay. In, in, in choreographic dance-esque style. So you'll have to like set up a, set up a tripod or something in a timer on your reel. Okay. So, and then do a dance spelling of the word love. Can you do that? Can do that. To a, to a song of your choosing, whatever song on, on reels you want to choose. I want to see your, you spell out love. This is going to be amazing. 
I think it'll be sweet. You have faith in me, Katrina. Thank you. I do have so much faith in you. It's going to be so good. Awesome. Yay. So everyone tune into Ed Tooth or Dare podcast to watch the stare go down. We will definitely mm-hmm. be sharing it on all of our platforms. Dr. Mulrooney, thank mm-hmm. you so much for being with us today and uh, yes. sharing your honest like history with us. It's remarkable. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, ladies. And oh the gosh, world is a amazing. lucky place to have you in it. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Um, Peace out, peeps. Cheers. We're back. We're back on the very, very coded flippity flip. Flippity flip of sorts. Painted white flippity. White. Um, flippity flip that was a very it's intense huh intense episode yeah almost almost sobering mm-hmm. yeah i think it's it, it you know and, and i feel like this has kind of been the trajectory for us over the past couple of episodes is like just being having a lot of awareness about the fact that there are so many facets to who we are as human beings there's a reason why computers will never replace the work that we do because there's a humanistic layer to all of this right we have to take care of ourselves um, you know, mentally and emotionally and, you know, really, um, be comfortable with acknowledging when, you know, we need to seek help or when we need to, um, you know, maybe explore other areas of our profession and continue to remain tethered to our passions, the things that, you know, don't define us, but the things that help clarify what brings us joy, because, it is about the operatory and it is about treating patients, but it's, it's also about remembering who you are as a human first and foremost. And that's, yeah. that's what makes the patient experience so unique and special. Yeah. So I have to say that I was a bad girl and uh, Dr. Mulrooney reached out to me and we did like a little call about coaching and mm. um, we talked and she gave me a challenge, a task Um, and I didn't do it. Oh no. No. I mean, (laughs) and you know, it's so interesting that like when you work with a coach and this is just from my understanding, because I've never worked with a coach before is you need to be, it's almost like having a therapist kind of like, you need to be able to say things aloud Mm -hmm. and you need to like find your faults and work towards a common goal. And like, I hear you talking about how helpful it's been for personal and professional life. Um, I have a really hard time, um, letting people know when I'm uncomfortable with like specific work-related items Mm -hmm. um, and I have a hard time delegating. And I feel like working with a coach is a lot of delegating, like delling out your feelings and your, you know, having to say things aloud, which I don't do. So, yeah. so when she re- I, I was not either. I was not, I was not in the habit of doing that. It is very so exposing, isn't it, Irene? Re- when she reached out to me and asked me all of these questions, I was like, I don't know if I want to answer this stuff. And I said it to her, I'm like, I don't know if I want to answer this stuff to a stranger. And she's like, I'm not a stranger. I'm like, yeah, you kind of are. And also like, do I need you to sign like an NDA or something? Because I've, it's <laughs> so ridiculous. So I went into like my own mind and my own head. And I was like, no, don't, don't tell this information to anyone. Like, don't, don't speak your truth to anyone. You mm. don't know these people, what are they going to do? Um, so then I totally was like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry, Aww. but I'm not ready. I'm not ready. 
Um, well, you have to be, you have to, you know, seek coaching when you're ready. Yeah. I will say it, it is exposing because it is like seeing a therapist where like right. you have to say things out loud to somebody. And I think it's not necessarily even that person hearing it, but you saying those things out loud right. to that person, you know? Um, but the idea is when you hire a coach, you're hiring somebody who's supposed to, you know, hear the challenges and understand the barriers of what's going on and, you know, make make it better, you know, um, help, help you walk through those things. But there has to be, you know, you have to be ready to be vulnerable and and it is a scary thing. It totally is. I totally told her that I wasn't ready. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I wasted your time, but I'm so not ready. Um, and then yes. So I'm sorry, Dr. Mulroney, if you're listening to this, Irene is so sorry. I I tried, I tried, but I feel like I need, I need more time. I will get there. (laughs) He'll do it when you're ready. Yeah. Anywho, um, so that that is all for today. Mm-hmm. We we appreciate your you, you guys hanging out with us and listening to Absolutely. this episode. And uh, you know, uh, we will we will until next time. <laughs> until next time, ta ta for now. Peace out, peeps. <laughs> Cheers. I like putting a whole handful of peanuts in my mouth and then making peanut butter. Making peanut butter from the combination of your saliva and the peanut yeah. residuals. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what you need. Like you need to get a good bolus going. Yes. A good bolus before it becomes kind. Mm-hmm.